generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. You probably think you're in complete control of your decisions and thoughts. But how often are they guided by something else? Something you don't even notice occurring deep within your mind. Here are 21 cognitive mind traps, fallacies, biases, and other phenomenon that exists within your brain. Strange things that are hardwired into all human minds. You may go through your entire life or well into adulthood completely unaware that you're carrying around these thinking errors and mental shortcuts that influence your day-to-day thinking. You can't turn them off or delete them from your brain, but being one of the few people that can notice when they arise in your mind and knowing the situations they're likely to act upon your decision-making is one of the first steps to becoming a more thoughtful and rational thinker. This two-part series is mainly inspired by the works of Nobel Prize-winning psychologist Daniel Kahneman and his amazing book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Welcome in, you're listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast and a very different concept today, Mikey. Yeah, these ones get me spicy though, eh? I They're like good. it. They're yeah. hard, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. We come across this video recently, it's called 21 Mind Traps, the ultimate guide to your most common thinking errors. And this is a good example of why you want to over-index your learning on YouTube, not Instagram and TikTok. Just on that recently, I did a poll where do you spend most of your time? And 80% of people spend more time on Instagram and TikTok than they do on YouTube. For me, that's wild, eh? It's broken. It's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. If There's you, so much good stuff on YouTube. Yeah. If you want to be learning, then you probably want to be coming across videos like this to go, oh, so that's how I think. Yeah. And that's what's going on. And there is access to the smartest people in the world over on YouTube. You'll find short snippets of it on TikTok and on Instagram. But if you want to go deeper, Strongly suggest investing your time into YouTube. Mm. Yeah, there's a, it's a hell of a platform that um, sometimes I'm like, man, this person, there's like very strong evidence that they've done very well and very successful. Why are they doing this? Mm. But it's something that they didn't have before. They didn't have the ability to get that extra attention to either raise funds for something or like it's a global thing before they could only talk to their community around them or maybe their country yeah and like the ceos of the biggest companies talks are on there like there's just access to the most gangster shit so i watched a summarized version from microsoft on what they're doing with ai across all of their products i didn't even use microsoft products i'm just thinking well i want to keep up to date with what they're doing. Yeah, shit's moving pretty fast at the moment. I should probably keep an eye on it. <laughs> Man, it was amazing. Yeah. Just yeah. very quickly, they're syncing all of the products that you can tell it. And it will start writing your emails for you. A client emails me as an example. Client says, hey, the bank said I need a copy of our 2023 financials. AI is like, oh, 2023 financials. That's this client. They are assigned to that group in the storage box. Mm. That's probably the file they need. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Yes, great. I've attached the 2023 financials for you. Cheer. If you've got any questions, sing out. Cheers. Luke sits in the save draft. Luke comes back, goes, oh, shit. Luke's at the pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just click send. There you go. Done. I know. It's insane, man. When I listened to that, I was thinking, my God. Yeah. You know, 
And I would have only, well, no, I probably could have seen it on social media as well, but it's just the access is unbelievable on YouTube and you can do some serious learning. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're going to learn from some of these uh, different mind traps that we fall into. So let's get into number one, and at the end of each of them, we'll have a bit of a yarn. Oh, just before we do that too, <laughs> these are sped up to 1.5 times speed. So if you're speeding up your podcast, you might find that these are too hard to listen to. So you may need to decrease the speed at which you're listening to the podcast for when we play the YouTube piece of the content and the single mind traps. Cognitive dissonance. Fox snuck up to a vine. He stared intently at the juicy purple overripe grapes. He tried to get at the grapes, but they were too high. Frustrated, he tried again. He launched himself upward, but came no closer to the fruit. He leapt for a third time, this time landing with a thud. Still no grapes. The fox turned up his nose. I don't really care. Only grapes that aren't even ripe. Why would I want sour grapes? He turned around and walked back into the forest. This is one of Aesop's fables, and also where we get the term sour grapes from. The fox had three choices. Get to the grapes, admit that he wasn't smart or skilled enough to obtain the grapes, or to reinterpret the situation retrospectively. Or put simply, create a new belief that is in conflict with the first belief. When we choose option three, and we have two held beliefs that are in conflict with one another, that is an example of cognitive dissonance. If you interview for a job but someone else gets it, instead of reasoning that the other person was better, you tell yourself that the job was no good anyway, or that the interviewer was unfair. When people can't get what they want, they often tell themselves it isn't what they wanted anyway. When people don't want to follow through on something, they often find new beliefs to rationalize the action to fit the first belief. You think all rich people are greedy and evil, but you also want to be rich. The dissonance leads to discomfort, mental stress, and anxiety. If the dissonance grows more intense, it can lead to depression. If you notice dissonance, you can ask yourself, what are the two beliefs that are competing and are incompatible? Am I telling myself this new belief because I couldn't get what I wanted? Or is this new belief because I need an excuse to explain away my first belief? What actions can I take to change my behavior or mindset and eliminate the dissonance? Because when it comes to cognitive dissonance, you can play the clever fox all you want, but you'll never get the grace that way. <laughs> That's such a goodie to start with. That is, eh? That's I a real good one. No idea about the sour grapes thing. I, I, Aesop's fable. Yeah. Oh, didn't you learn that? I didn't really know that that's where that came from. No. Were you a kid once? Yeah. Yeah, no. Skip that. <laughs> yeah, must have skipped that lesson. Where do we te- where do we learn that one? Um, probably Kindy, eh? Okay, okay, shit. Yeah, not sure yeah. we had that in Danny Boot. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. I I mean, man, I can say hand on hand heart that I've I've done this sometimes. Yeah. It's it's cool to learn these things and then realize, oh, okay, it's quite common. But to then be able to spot them and go, okay, no more. And I yeah, I like the one where it's like you think all rich people suck and are evil, but you want to be rich. Yeah, it's like yeah, you kind of it both ways. It'd be <laughs> funny too. Those people like that if you gave them twenty million because they won lotto. Yeah, do you reckon they go, oh no, sorry, I don't want that. Yeah, give, exactly. Give it back. That's exactly what he's explaining, right? Yeah. Oh, you, I've, now now I'm a rich person and I'm an asshole and I'm evil and greedy. So what he's saying is like you really. It doesn't help you to con- continue to think like that. Mm. I'd liken this to blame, excuse, deny. Like when we can't have something, like, oh, I don't care about it anyway, and get all mm. like default into that kind of, oh, deny that you actually did want that. True, yeah. yeah. I used to try and get better at juggling a football, and I would say to myself, okay, I can't leave until I can do 100 juggles. And sometimes I could get it really easily. And other times it would just get harder and harder. And I'd get to like 90 and then your brain's really wide on, fuck, mate, don't fuck this up, only 10 to go, then boom, for 98, done. And the, <laughs> the brain's focusing on the negative. But yeah. I then get to a point sometimes where I'm like, this is stupid anyway. Why do this? You mm. don't need to do this. Like, who cares? You've already done heaps of juggling. That's what you to do. And I could get to a point where I'd be like, no, like, that is not. I know I can do this, so therefore do it. Yeah. And that was back when I lived in the Naki. 
and I told someone about this and they nearly started crying. They're like, I feel bad that you would be there in the dark, like trying to do that. That's so fucked up. Yeah, I did the same when I was like putting when practicing golf. I used to sit on the putting green for like five feet from the hole, same part. I don't know why, I can't even remember. It would have been like a hundred in a row or something. Get to 75, start again. Yeah. Then it'll be dark, then it'll be cold, you keep going. And people find that weird. I was, then fast forward a number of years, I went to the park to just kick a ball around and clear my head because I was a big event coming up. And I thought, oh, I might try and juggle this rugby ball. And I thought I'll try and do 50 in a row because I started doing it. I was like, oh, well, I can actually get like 20. And it's a lot harder to juggle rugby ball than yeah, it is yeah. football. And I hadn't done juggling to that level or degree for a long time. And so I just set my brain, gave me this 50. I can't go until I do 50 in a row. It took me so long. And I was in a battle between like, this isn't even possible, bro. Don't do it. To like, okay, you're not going to be able to get it. What's the point of it? This is, and, and I'm fighting with my brain. And I was so close to giving up to be like, yeah, this is just fucking stupid. You know, why did I set 50 as the goal anyway? Yeah. But then the good bit of my brain that's disciplined and like, well, you've got nowhere to be. Like, just take this challenge on. Just mm. keep jumping for those grades. And eventually I did the 50. And I'm like looking around to be like, right, is anyone clapping? <laughs> Where's the crowd? No one, you know? And it's nah, just... It's more of like a mental strength thing, right? Yeah, and I think the more you go through it, the more you get to learn it and you realize that you can carry those things off into yeah. into other areas. And sometimes I have it where I, I just about go leave here and then I think, I'll oh, just do this quick whiteboard video. And sometimes those are the ones that go the furthest. My big one at the moment, man, is when I get into work like early in the morning and I... I, I have a list, I want to write a list so I don't forget things, and I start writing it, and I'm like, I could have done this before I wrote the list. Yeah. Yeah, and it just fucks me it. off, I'm like, yeah, I don't need a list for these these things that I'm writing down, like, these are just done by the time I read the list. I do that if I know there's a heap of things I need to do, yep. and I'm like, okay, my brain's going to lose them, because once I get started on yeah, this thing over here. Yeah, that's why I'm doing it, yeah. 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 Okay, anything else that sticks out for you in this one, mate? Um, No, I just think that... Um, it's a good idea not to be a hypocrite. Yeah. That's the main thing, right? Like, And, hey. and it's okay not to get the job. And, and to just, because often I'll say to people, like, sit in your pain. You know, you didn't get the job. Yeah, that sucks. Like, just mm. fucking, just live in there for a little bit. Not like, oh, yeah, fuck them, you know, shit company anyway. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's so weird when your mates talk to you like that. They're all about getting prepped for this interview. It's not attractive. No, and you're like, oh, okay, well, like, last week you were banging on about how amazing it is. I always see this with people that work in banks and they wank off about how great the bank is that they work for. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they pop back up later in my career and they're like, oh, celebrating my new role at this bank. Like, oh man, this bank's just so much better. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's a little bit little bit different. But um, yeah, I think we've got to try and spot it in ourselves, right? 100%. Number two, let's go. The Spotlight Effect. You arrive five minutes late to the office and you feel like everyone is judging you. It's your first day at the gym and you feel like everyone is watching you. You spill a small amount of sauce on your shirt and you feel so embarrassed because you think the whole party is going to notice. The spotlight effect is the phenomenon in which people tend to believe people are observing them more than they are. People are seldom interested in you and your actions as much as you think. So do yourself a favor, stop overestimating how much people are observing you and reduce the anxiety that is probably just the result of the spotlight effect. <laughs> That's so good. That is so good. I put a lot of time and effort into becoming a professional that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting out of the spotlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. And it's so life changing, eh? Mm. I, yeah. I'm always way more blunt. Like, it's cool to know that this is what this is called the spotlight effect. I'll just be like, no one cares. Like, you're over indexing yeah, exactly. this about yourself. No one cares as much about you as what you do. 
I'm at the point where, like, in the cosmos of time since the Earth began, we're a speck of dust. Mm. Like, wh- whatever you do doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like, just do whatever you want. People get real wound up about what's a wear to a wedding or something. I'm like, it's not your wedding. No one's going to be looking at you. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the spotlight. We've got effect. a lady laughing in the background. <laughs> Scowling, yes. <laughs> but it's the spotlight effect, right? We naturally, and I mean, I spilt uh, on one of my five hundred dollars shirts, mate. Oh, did you? I bloody got this Japanese on Friday, and I had a number of things in my hands, and I crunched the top of the lid open on this oh, no. sushi, and, it, and it's like bang, the Japanese mayo is on my white shirt. Oh, I'm like, oh no! Now I've got it on the front, and it's literally Shit. the spotlight effect. You think that, that no one said, "Oh, hey, mate, just a heads up," uh, you know? You've got some mayo on your shirt. It's just like. <laughs> They don't really care. They're probably like, what a grub. Yeah. <laughs> but you're thinking about it and you're worried about it. Yeah. And I think once you understand the concept, you can just learn to let some of that stuff go a little bit too. I think so. I think it, um, I actually think it's, uh, maybe not powerful is the right word, but if you can get to a point where no space is rented in your head about what other people think you're up to, because they're not thinking about what you're up to. <laughs> they're thinking about themselves. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They're thinking about what you're thinking about them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the spotlight on them, not you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I think if you can get to that position, man, it's a better way to live. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Very, very simple one, the spotlight effect. Let's jump into number three. Oh, just on that, I guess if you constantly find yourself consumed by the thoughts of what people may be thinking about you remember they've got their own shit going on they're they're way more interested in their own life it shows how selfish we are to believe that you think you're the front of mind of someone else yeah like everyone i've ever met has always had a life-changing problem at some point and then everyone also has day-to-day problems Mm. like you know someone comes into the office and they're a bit down and you're like tell them to cheer up or whatever, but they just fucking crash their car. Like, or something's happened in their family or, yeah. you know, someone's sick. or you, you just got no fucking idea. The, the classic is you go on a massive overseas trip and you go back to work and you think, you know, that's been your whole life for the last whatever and you think everyone's going to be real interested in all the stories and stuff and people are like, oh, hey, you're back. Like, how, how was your trip? They're not actually interested in how your trip was. They're just nah. being nice. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Hey, did you um, see the deadline in the email about, you know, getting those <laughs> things sent off to blah, blah, blah? Yeah, because I'm so far the other way now. When people ask me how my trip was, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sweet, good. So, like, I've actually need probably need to pick up my game a bit on that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, in my head, I'm like, you don't care, so I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll just default them back until let's make it about them. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, what have you been up to? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we know that people naturally want to think and talk about themselves more. Yep. The anchoring effect. Whenever we have to guess something, let's say the population of Russia, we use anchors, starting with something we know for sure to be true, so it must be greater than one, must be less than seven billion, and it's less than the population of China. We then take these anchors and explore the unfamiliar territory. Unfortunately, we use anchors when we don't need to. Take a moment to pause and look at these two questions. Is the height of the tallest redwood tree more or less than 1,200 feet? What is your best guess about the height of the tallest redwood? If we ask group A these two questions and group B these two questions, we would consistently get very different answers because of the anchoring effect. The words and numbers we use anchors people's decisions. But the anchoring effect doesn't only apply to numbers that appear informative, such as in the tree example. According to Kahneman, anchors that are obviously random can be just as effective as potentially informative anchors. An experiment was conducted on German judges with an average of 15 years experience. Each judge was read a description of a woman who had been shoplifting, then asked to roll a pair of dice, which were loaded to only add up to three or nine. As soon as the dice stopped, they were asked to answer how long they would sentence this woman. 
The judges who rolled a nine on average gave her an eight-month sentence. The judges who rolled a three on average gave her a five-month sentence. The researchers found that the anchoring effect was influencing their judgments. Numerous other... Just before this finishes, how fucked is that? Mm. That's, it's amazing the research they do to test these types of concepts. Mm. Eh? It's quite scary. Studies using arbitrary numbers like the last digits of phone numbers or social security numbers also confirmed our anchoring bias. In sales and negotiations, anchors are being used all the time, and there will be people who are willing and able to set up this mind trap and exploit the anchoring effect against you. The car salesman setting a high price from the start so that the price that he actually wants to get from you seems like a good deal. The $150 dress at the front of the store sets the anchor for the $50 dress at the back of the store. Online stores... Genius. That, I was yeah. like, whoa, I'd never thought about that. Price anchors. Yeah. Oh, no, just the, um, the, the dress at the front of the store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Salary negotiations and real estate deals are all playgrounds for the anchoring effect. And it's one of our most powerful biases. You can't turn it off, but you can remind yourself of your vulnerability to it and try to proactively set your own mental anchors before going into any sales or negotiation environment. Take a look at these examples. Let's say I want to sell my book. You can get my online course for $1,999, or you can get my book for just $15. I anchor you to the higher price first so that the price of my book seems like a bargain. If I wanted to sell my course, on the other hand, I would need to find a better anchor. It costs $135,000 to go to college and learn the same things I'm going to teach you in my online course for only $1,999. If Sarah wanted to buy a $50,000 car and experiment with anchoring, she wouldn't show her partner a bunch of similar priced cars. She would show him a few $90,000 cars she likes first, and after she gets an audible gasp at the price, then she would show him the car she actually wants. And now it doesn't seem as expensive. The price you anchor first determines how people feel about the value of your offer. They have sent us the asking price for the home. Let's not let the numbers influence our thinking. Set it aside. Let's perform our own due diligence and arrive at our own number. Our objective in this negotiation is to move first and get them anchored to this number. That's a good EA. It's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I feel like my strength of being a fast mover doesn't help me with this stuff. No. Because I'll just be like, oh, yeah. yeah, is that the price of your suite? If I, if I was in retail and saw you walk in, I'd nail you. Yeah, yeah. every time. Yeah. It happens every time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I never bargain nothing. I put quite a lot of effort into learning about price anchoring and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I've sort of got some experience in this field, eh? What about... Um, you know, when you go to a restaurant, I think, don't they put the higher prices often at the top of the, the wine list, for instance? You're like, oh, geez. Mm. Or is that, yeah, so maybe it's at the bottom. You kind of skim to the bottom, you know, where the eyes will naturally go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of things that, like in the States, uh, there's studies showing that if the waitress brings out mints, they're more likely to get a tip. And yeah. All sorts of things, yeah. But in the menus, like the first one on the menu is like the Gucci steak that's, you know, $80 a kilo or whatever and then you go down and there's like a veal for like $40 you know, I'll take that yeah, yeah. even though the veal's only worth a dollar or whatever mm. you know there, there's I think uh, like we've said about people who invest like Warren Buffett and stuff who do this full time and have the best systems and the best people working for them in the world you can't outsmart the biggest companies in the world in their sales techniques eh? yeah. they're that, the biggest because they know all this shit yeah they're, they're <laughs> investing hundreds of millions of dollars but it feels better to know about this kind of thing when you are going into these places i i feel like sometimes i switch off but i feel like when i like in melbourne for example when i was going shopping i was looking for all these types of things yeah to try and get ideas i'm like oh what are they doing here why why is that person picked up that and then you know like price anchors are, are a huge part of it yeah a good tactic there trying to convince someone about buying a car you know show them the way more expensive ones yeah I and mean, you deliberately don't want those you want ones uh further down yeah yeah well i mean taylor shows me like fucking diamond bracelets and shit all the time that are horrendous money so it will make me feel better when i only spend like five figures instead of fucking <laughs> six <laughs> well, well i hope she's listening she, she probably doesn't even know she's doing it to be honest but yeah 
Wow. Now, it's a fascinating one. I think as well, like numbers always never, well, they don't seem to end in a zero when you're buying something. You know, mm. it's like trying to keep you away from the $2,000 flat. It's one nine nine nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's obviously people that have invested a lot of time and effort into understanding these things to then it's try and implement it's them. Te- it's psychology, right? Like, if you, if you show me two things in one, you're like, this one is better, but it's 10 grand. Mm. And this one... You can get quite a lot out of it, and it's a thousand. I'll be like, I'll just test the thousand first. There's a lot of good e-commerce upsells these days, where it's basically They're all based like, off the stuff. Yeah, yeah. You brought this, you're probably going to want this too. I brought a, a make your own ice bath type thing for the apartment the other day, and I'm like, where the fuck is the lid on this thing? And it's mm. like, oh, you may also want the lid. I'm like, literally at this point, I don't care what it costs because I'm just yeah. going. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm going to pay it. I need the lid. But it's out of stock. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Oh, damn so I'm it. emailing, when's it back in stock? When's yeah. it back in stock? Right now, let's get into the next one. Oh, this is just an advertisement. Ben is envious. The halo effect. What do you think about Alan and Ben? Alan is intelligent, industrious, impulsive, critical, stubborn, and envious. Ben is envious, stubborn, critical, impulsive, industrious, and intelligent. If you're like most people, you see Alan in a better light than you do Ben, even though the traits mentioned are exactly the same. When it comes to the halo effect, sequence matters. More weight is given to the first piece of information we receive. The first piece of information helps us quickly create a story of the person or situation in our minds. Sure, Alan is stubborn and envious, but that is only because he is intelligent and wants to win in business. And yes, Ben is intelligent, but he uses that intelligence in envious ways. The halo effect occurs when a single initial aspect of a person or thing determines and affects or outshines how we see the full picture. When you first start dating someone, both parties in the relationship are on their best behavior. You start to develop a halo of positive thoughts around this person. Small traits you dislike might begin to pop up, but often go unnoticed because the halo, the positive emotions, and the initial information you gathered on this person is blinding out any of the negatives. The honeymoon phase of a relationship is often when the halo effect influences your judgment the most. If we learn that someone graduated from a prestigious university, the halo effect will distort all other traits we attribute to that person without any evidence. Bernie Madoff was the darling of Wall Street, a legendary investor. The amazing returns and reputation of his company were the halo that made people also conclude his company must be trustworthy. The halo outshone the numbers that made no sense and the underlying fact that he was running the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. Numerous studies have shown that attractive people are automatically perceived as nicer, more honest, and more intelligent. The halo effect can also be found in schools. If a student answers two essay questions and the teacher gives the first essay a high grade, he or she is prone to subconsciously give that more weight and give the second essay a higher grade also, and vice versa for low grades. In the work environment, the standard practice of most meetings is to have open discussions on a topic. Daniel Kahneman in the book Thinking Fast and Slow argues that it is better to gather independent judgments on the topic from everyone in the group before the issue is discussed because far too often the opinions of the first people to talk are given too much weight and influence the group's input, especially if the boss speaks first. Modern research suggests that the old saying first impressions last turns out to be true. After meeting someone for the first time, our judgment of that person can influence us for a long time into the future. We jump to conclusions and our perception of true characteristics is distorted by the halo effect. To combat this, try to move beyond the first appearance of someone or something and decorrelate error. Remember that your brain is trying to help you by making the most complete story it can on the limited information it is provided. The problem is that these mental shortcut stories we tell ourselves about a person or thing are often inaccurate from reality. He knows nothing about her personality. All he's going by is how good looking she is. He's succumbing to the halo effect. Hey look, this new applicant graduated from Harvard. She doesn't have any experience in this position, but I think we should interview her anyway. Let's gather ideas independently on this topic before the meeting. I don't want my ideas to influence the groups. The halo effect. Mm. That's interesting, eh? Mm. I heard this thing from Gary V once, and he's like, you know what? The One of the most interesting things we don't discuss is the fact that there's a privilege for beauty and attractiveness. Mm. But we're too scared to talk about that. And people that are better looking naturally have a level of privilege over other people. Mm. But we don't talk about that. Nah. We're like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll stay away from that one. But this is effectively summed up in here. Yeah, all well, six cells. And our brains are trying to just give us 
some information to make a decision, but we've really, we've always got the incomplete data. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's like that crazy hot scale, you know? <laughs> <laughs> always pops up, eh? Yeah. Yeah, very... Um, yeah, it's a, that, that, that is a, the first impression thing, eh, how much it counts. Yeah. Like, you notice it even more now with the internet when people talk shit about people and they've never met them. Mm. They've just seen a clip online of them. You haven't actually had a conversation with that person. I'm guilty of it myself. Yeah, all of us. Yeah. It's just literally what our brain does. Like, think about how many people hate Elon Musk Oh, right now. Yeah. But have they ever sat down for an hour and had a chat with him? Mm. Or the CEOs in New Zealand, what they get paid. Yeah. yeah. Or me, co- yeah. talking shit about the government. Hey, you are, you're disgraceful. <laughs> or, or the Prime Minister. Yeah, people hated the last Prime Minister. Or they hated the new one, one too. I eh? hate all of them. Yeah, they hate <laughs> Yeah, it's just, but um, it's... It's a very fascinating concept, especially the sequence piece as well, right? Like mm. bringing what you what you hear at the start of a sentence, and sort then of shading the rest of what you hear from there on after. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is interesting. Shit, following into straight into conversation after these things, what my brain's thinking. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to fucking spit things out, but I'm still <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> I heard something yesterday. Uh, one of Taz's friends is going to a silent retreat, and she said to me, "Imagine." how many judgments my brain's going to make of all these people when I literally will never speak to them. Fuck, that's a fascinating concept. Mm. So you're going to a silent retreat. You're not going to speak to these people. You're going to see them and you're going to make assumptions about what they're like, what they do, like anything. Why would you do that? Because it's just what the brain does, right? Just, no, but why would you go to that? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't ask. That it's a good, would be good like place tor- to, torture, not being able to find out more information. It's Yeah, it's certainly an interesting concept. Hey, can anyone that's been to a silent retreat, Drop us an email. Yeah. Keep the change at code NZ or drop Can us a Can you tell DM. me what the point of it is? Mm. I think people go to sort of get away, um, get off their devices and stuff and just be with their own thoughts. Yeah. Not talk. I think it's quite massive of monks and stuff like that. Just yeah. challenge themselves to not talk, not talk to anyone, not say anything. So we should send the Prime Minister there. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, if you're listening. <laughs> um, all right. That's, uh, yeah, that, that one's quite a mind-blowing one. I think it's really good to to listen to a few times to to help uh, understand it. Let's get into Mind Trap number six, I think, is next. Gambler's fallacy. Oh, no, I don't want to do this one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Three times a coin is flipped and lands on heads each time. Let's say that someone forces you to wager thousands of dollars of your own money on the next toss. Would you bet on heads or tails? If you think like most people, you will almost always choose tails, although heads is equally likely. But why? We believe in some kind of balancing force in the universe. If we ask people to choose which sequence is more probable, most would pick the top sequence. But both sequences are equally probable. We generally underestimate the likelihood of streaks occurring by chance. We are led to believe that something needs to change due to the gambler's fallacy. However, there is no such balancing force. The coin cannot remember that heads was flipped three times in a row, just as the ball cannot remember that it landed on black. Casinos love the gambler's fallacy because it creates the illusion in the gambler's mind that they can predict where the balance of the dice or roulette wheel will go next. This fallacy can apply anywhere there is a sequence of decisions. That awkward feeling you get when you've answered five C's in a row of a multiple choice exam is this fallacy at work. A University of Chicago review found asylum judges were 19% less likely to approve an asylum seeker if they had just approved the previous two. The same person applying for a loan was more likely to get approved for a loan if the previous two applicants were rejected and was more likely to be rejected if the previous two applicants were approved. Similar findings were also found when analyzing the sequence of decisions of baseball umpires. Take a closer look at the independent and interdependent events around you. Independent events are not influenced by balancing forces of nature. Gee, mm. that's uh, that's interesting, eh? Yeah, I was just thinking about all the loan approvals yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it uh, shows you it could, could go to someone that's actually approving the loan and they may have something in their head where they go, well, that's been too many. I should probably look into this one deeper or mm. whatnot, right? 
Mm. And I feel like on the other side of the screen, they're like, oh, this one's from Mikey. They're always awesome, so it'll be easy. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Or they might start getting, why are we approving too many of Mikey's? Yeah. (laughs) Mm. We talk about this in in punting quite a lot because people will go like, oh, the favourite won the last race, therefore the favourite can't win the next race. Yeah, that's how I gamble. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or, um, you know, even the, the flipping... Uh, a coin, for instance, it's a it's a fifty fifty chance, so it should be two dollar odds. So basically, if put a hundred dollars on it, heads, you should then double your money because those are the only two options. Mm. But uh, people will go, oh well, I'll, I'll I'll increase my stake now because it's been three tails in a row. It's it's got to be heads. But yeah, the, the outcome or the probability is literally. You see the, the roulette same. tables in the casino, and they've got cards, and people record. Yeah, yeah. Like the numbers in a row, and then they're like, oh yeah, there's a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nah, brother. But and then also <laughs> the the casino, so they could make more coin. They stripped out, well, they basically put in a zero to to yeah. change the probability again. And then they're like, oh fuck, let's put a double zero in yeah, on yeah. the other side too. So just <laughs> even the blackjack tables is blackjack plus there's blackjack plus gold. Like there's all this shit there yeah. that like they just keep changing the odds for the in favor of that, them. That's why they say the house always wins. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think it's a good thing to be mindful of. I definitely did this at uni where I'd be like, man, that's even through my chartered accounting exams and stuff. I'd be like, why? Are they giving me four Ds in a row to answer? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. Maybe it is C because I just, I'm not sure on yeah. this one. Well, and the last three have been D, so it can't be D again. And like multi choice, eh? Yeah. Yeah. When I always got multi choice, I'd just never read and just scratch out whichever one I wanted. It's in, but that gambler's thing would come in. I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't scratch one A and then another A. Yeah. Because they wouldn't do that. It'd be like A, C, D. B, and, and then that's how I would do it. I had the, and, and if you're not sure, C, <laughs> the probability is that C is usually more likely to be used in <laughs> A to D. I'm like, okay, I'll just go C for those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one to, uh, to be I mindful I failed all of. my tests. <laughs> <laughs> it shows you just how your brain will, your brain will avoid the data and go for that kind of, oh, it'll just get into the trap, right? Got to be heads next. Got to mm. be black next. Got to be red next. Mm. Whatever. Or even like Max Verstappen's won 10 in a row. Well, data suggests he'll probably a, win 11. Yeah. But you're like, nah, he, he's due to lose. Yeah. It's hard, eh? It's kind of like our brain's naturally wanting to take a shortcut. Yeah. I think we like to be right, too. Yeah, the thing is with, say, motorsport and even mm. horse racing, whatever, you could be like, well, Max Verstappen's won the last three Melbourne Grand Prix. High chance he's going to win the fourth one. He blows the tyre on the last lap. Mm. He doesn't win it. The stat next year is, oh, Max Verstappen's won three of the last four. Mm. And then he blows the tyre. He's leading in the next year as well, in the final lap, just before he's about to cross the finish line. And he doesn't. Then the next year you're going to be like, like if you don't follow it, you're like, oh, fuck, he's on a downward. Like he won three in a row three years ago, but he's lost the last two. Like, nah, mm-hmm. he, he's lost today. He doesn't have it in him anymore. Yeah. But then you actually dig into the data. Oh, shit. Yeah, did you not know? He blew a tyre. It was like, imp- like it was, he was unbelievably unlucky. <laughs> yeah, it was so unlucky. Like, oh. Yeah. You know, but we'll... I guess that's why the bookies exist, right? Yeah. Just so they can play on that shit and make cash. Mm. <laughs> and they know that we've never got a complete picture of the information, but we'll think we do. Yeah. <laughs> the contrast effect. If you see some leather seats for $3,000, they may seem a little expensive. If you're buying an $80,000 car, on the other hand, the $3,000 leather seat upgrade seems almost like nothing. Research shows that people will walk an extra 10 minutes if it means saving $10 on food. However, nearly all wouldn't walk 10 minutes to save $10 on a $1,000 suit. It's easy to think something is attractive, large, or expensive when it sits next to something ugly, small, or cheap. 
Absolute judgments can be difficult to make. Try to catch yourself the next time you go shopping to see if your purchasing decisions are being influenced by the contrast effect. Mikey was clapping in the background. What do you got for us? This one's huge, isn't it? I mean, I see people drive across Auckland to get cheaper petrol. Like, the opportunity cost of that time blows my mind. Yeah. You know, the the Northwestern motorway gets blocked up because of Costco now. Really? Yeah. Sheesh. You know, like, because chicken there is a dollar cheaper. And I see this hugely in the car industry. You go and order, if I go and order a brand new Ferrari, whatever. Let's say Porsche GT3 RS. Never heard of it, but yep. We'll call it $500,000 base price, right? That's the base price. So you, you can buy this car as it is, as it sits. Then you go and pick all your options, paint color, carbon fiber, seats, roll cage in the back, what color you want the roll cage, what color you want the seat belts, what color you want the stickers, what color you want the brake calipers. These option lists go on for flipping miles. It's $120,000 worth of options. But because you've just committed to five hundred thousand dollars, you those hundred and twenty you're going to add them on. Because mm. also, no one wants to buy an unoptioned car if you want to sell it one day. It's more valuable if you, you know, all mm. of these things start going through your mind, and you're like, it's only another couple of grand to paint. And in real life, you can paint brake calipers for like forty bucks. Really? Yeah, but it's two and a half thousand dollars at Porsche. Shit. So the markup in that stuff's gangster. Wow. And that's where a lot of the money is made in it, not just, I mean, there's... I feel like this happens when people bid for a house as well. Like, I had people buying through that FOMO run, mm. and they'd be like, oh, well, what's another 10 grand? Mm. And I'd be thinking, or, like, it wasn't even 10, it was, what's another 50 for Auckland property? Mm. You know, when, you're, when you're spending 600 or 650 already, what's another 50? Yep. And I'd be thinking, but you've got to pay that back in after-tax income over 30 years. Like, it ain't 50K. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a lot, but... Yeah, we're comparing it to that massive figure. And you're comparing it to the recency bias that believes it's going to go up another 50k over the next year anyway. Or even just you've spent, you've got your dream home, but then all the variations start coming in. Oh, we might as well do them because, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah. Interesting, eh? I like that one. Yeah, that was a goodie. Righto, we got the next one. Ooh. Confirmation bias. You have an existing belief about something. You go in search of evidence that supports that belief, which further reinforces the belief. And you continue this cycle. If you come across evidence that doesn't support your belief, you filter the disconfirming evidence and your brain forgets it after a short period of time. We never like to learn we've believed in a falsehood or made a bad decision, which is why we tend to filter what information we pay attention to. This is confirmation bias, the tendency to interpret new information so that it becomes compatible with our existing theories and beliefs. This bias is subtle, unconscious, and always present in the mind when rational thinking is needed. As opposed to the scientific method, where you form a hypothesis or ask a question, gather evidence, and then test the hypothesis, this is hard work and may entail some unpleasant truths. This is John. John begins with a simple theory or belief. He turns to Google. He subconsciously goes in search of the first information that confirms his belief, and the confirmation bias takes care of filtering out the rest. Finding information that proves you are wrong is one of the best ways to determine if you are right, and philosophers of science would tell us to combat this bias by trying to refute the hypothesis. But rarely do people actively try to seek out disconfirming evidence to their beliefs. We hate to be wrong, so why would we actively try to seek out information that is in conflict with those beliefs? To make matters worse, the biggest platforms now tailor content to personal interests and browsing history, supercharging confirmation bias on a mass scale. We find ourselves in a sea of one-sided content amongst communities of like-minded people, also referred to as echo chambers, thereby reinforcing our convictions and the confirmation bias becomes stronger. Not only do we need to combat our own confirmation bias, social platforms are aiding this bias by filtering what we are shown and not exposing us to opposing points of view. The more you conform the facts to fit your beliefs, the narrower your perspective becomes. Until that narrow reality becomes all that you can see, confirmation bias is the genesis of the I'm always correct ego, especially in political discourse. What planet are they living on? They must be living in an alternate reality. 
I'm completely right about this. Look at all the facts on my side. As a result of confirmation bias, we have a high degree of confidence. We feel deep down that we are right. If someone challenges our opinions, we tend to become defensive and even hostile. As opposing perspectives become narrower, discourse about facts that are being interpreted and filtered differently becomes nearly impossible because both sides of an argument are seeing the evidence through the lens of their theories and only looking out for what confirms their existing beliefs. Echo chambers are the flywheels for frequent repetition and dissemination of ideas. The same ideas are shared, liked, and repeated, and any new beliefs are quickly shut down. All divergent thinking and opinions begin to disappear. When people hear the same thing repeated enough times, the facts may as well go out the window. According to Daniel Kahneman, a reliable way to make people believe in falsehood is frequent repetition, because familiarity is not easily distinguished from truth. There is no way to eliminate confirmation bias, only ways to reduce its effect on you. First is to simply become aware that this mind trap exists. If time does allow you to reflect, try to think gray. If you truly want to become an independent thinker, you need to suspend judgments, explore the gray areas, and expand beyond the hive mind of the group. Try to get your information from a variety of sources and avoid being influenced into a belief because it is what others are telling you to think or has been repeated enough times you accept it as truth. Confirmation bias is a perspective narrower. Try to widen your perspective because in most cases, the objective facts lie somewhere in between in the gray area. That's so grunty. That one, you could spend your whole life trying to figure that out, I reckon. Mm. It's so hard, especially at the moment, especially with the access to information we have. Yeah. We all live in bubbles. It's all like, yeah, hard. Like, it's all, I was thinking like, oh, yeah, this person and that person and they, they do that and that's the way they're thinking. And then I'm like, oh, hang on, if I'm thinking like that, that means I'm on the other side of that, which means I've got it as well. I think my views on KiwiSaver are quite a good example of it. Like, I contribute and believe it's a great idea yeah but i also can see why it's not and why mm. people don't think that it is mm. and i try really hard to um see things from different angles i remember you I saying do. like you know the all the 19 year olds protesting up queen street and their fancy gears that are run by coal plants in china mm. about and they're protesting about climate change it's like they've got that they must have some access to some information that you don't yeah, yeah. you have to think that because if you don't, you just think they're fuckwits. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And you well, got no you idea. Should, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have any idea what they're, what information they're looking at, because mm. it's obviously not the same as you. No. <laughs> so and, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think this stuff's gonna get like this. This one concept here is, you, yeah. Like I say, you could probably spend your whole life trying to figure out. I think all you do is just acknowledge that it exists. Yeah. And then that's enough to be like, probably don't judge people on their first thing, you know. Yeah. And let people be. I think that's a pretty good way to handle it. <laughs> yeah. I've caught myself going into things negatively and I've untaught, like I've tried to unwind this and instead of um, having the perception from the start that it's going to be like that, mm. I, no, I don't have any data to, to support that. Interestingly, we went to a restaurant recently. You came. We went mm. to that, that joint um, bossy, B-O-S-S-I. Mm. And we were told, oh, shit house doesn't compare to this place like oh you know yeah we've been there good luck and so i was like oh bossy yeah it was mean oh i I thought i was like fuck that could be one of the best meals i've had in my life yeah it was mean on the other side of it and you know i went in there kind of thinking oh well this isn't going to be on par so i now feel a bit bad that we've booked it and stuff yeah but there's literally just someone else's already kind of giving you Mm. the answer and so i think that's why it's a good reminder to try not to do i came i came back from melbourne man and I know someone else that was over there at the same time. And I was like, bumped into them when I got back. And I was like, wow, Melbourne is fucked, eh? Couldn't believe it. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just see, everything is through a different lens. And that's why the world's so cool, I reckon. 100%. That's part of, it's actually part of its attract, like the attraction and why life's cool. Yeah. Because if we all were doing the same thing, it'd be fucking boring. Yeah. And that's where I always try and talk about, 
look down at something and mm. try and see stay above it eh? yeah the way that people are thinking because if you as soon as you just pick one side and just go real hard for it you, you realize that you're the one that's been played yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it's the reverse and, of that actually yeah i'm all for having strong opinions and like you know standing up for what you believe in and um you know trying to trying to do things but the longer that you um, stay there and, and end up fighting with people about it and stuff mm. just ruins you and it's yeah I don't really believe in that shit at all like mm. if you you can have a strong opinion but I don't believe in it and putting it on other people just leave each other alone and people will follow you and start to believe in you anyway on their own accord yeah you don't need to force it down people's throat often I'll use a money and stuff an example of if you believe that all rich people are greedy and they're assholes and they stand on people to get their income and all that stuff, well, you're going to find all of the examples of that. Mm. But part of me is like, well, then why don't you become the example that doesn't do that? Because really, you're just looking for an excuse as to why you don't think it's a smart idea to, to go and get cash. Yep. Like, what's a cause that you really care about? Well, then why don't you donate a heap of cash to that? Because you can't. Yeah, exactly. So then you rip on the person who doesn't donate their money to them and they, and they could because they've got plenty. Yeah. Like, yeah, but they might also have plenty of causes that they care about, and that was the reason that they chose to make heaps of cash. Yep. But, yep, we'll just go and look for the things that uh, make us feel better about the conclusions that we've already drawn, right? Mm -hmm. The Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. You buy a certain brand of car, and all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere, whereas you didn't in the past. When you learn a new word or concept, suddenly you start seeing it everywhere in your life. You start thinking, wow, this is weird. How is it possible I've never seen this word in my life? And now I've seen it three times this week. Well, why do I keep seeing those new shoes I bought everywhere I go? They must be becoming so popular. The Bader-Meinhof phenomenon is an illusion in which, after noticing something for the first time, there is a tendency to notice it more often. It occurs when increased awareness of something creates the illusion that it is appearing more often. This phenomenon is augmented by two other biases. The recency effect, which inflates the importance of recent stimuli, and confirmation bias, which confirms in your mind these strange coincidences you think you're having, and then perpetuates your search to keep confirming that these coincidences must have some kind of meaning. Basically, our brains are master pattern recognition machines that are always searching for meaning in data. What is amazing are all the patterns and stimuli flooding past you every single day that your brain simply ignores because it's not in your awareness. We only see the things we are looking out for. In reality, you have most likely seen that word or car a number of times, but your mind simply wasn't interested in noticing it. This is a real goodie too, eh? It's so true. Yeah, I thought this was actually uh, something else. The reticular activator system, it's like the front part of your brain, I think, or something, and it basically, once you think about something, you'll see mm. it more. Yeah, I got a really good example of this recently. Um, and I mean, I think the best way to explain it is, yeah, you get a car and then you see it all the time. Yeah. And I was already seeing Teslas as as I did, but now, yeah, you see heaps of them. But I think data supports that when I was yeah, getting mine, there was so many <laughs> coming in, but I don't see many like mine. And because I like to be like that, I went and got one that was like, oh, there's not many. There's literally bugger all these in the country. I'm like, yeah, yeah great, yeah. I'll get that one then. That's yeah. decision making. I want to be different. <laughs> and now when I see them, I'm like, oh, wow, that one looks cool. Oh, they got the black interior. Oh, that looks pretty cool as well. Oh, they haven't got the illegal tints like mine does. <laughs> but okay, I'll give you three examples. So uh, recently I put a bet on Bodie Barrett to get one of the first three tries in his rugby game. Mm. He got the third try. Just as he went to put the ball down, this is the world's best rugby player. He stood on the the outline, the the not the sidelines, the dead ball line. Oh shit! Never happens. He's in the in goal to put the ball down. This is one of the best players in the world, and he fucking someone ankle taps him real late, and it's like, bro, what are you doing? Like, already put the ball down, not a try. I'm like, fuck, that is bad luck. Like, you never see that. Of course, that happens to me. You know, gutted, bang, one strike. Secondly, I enter the sweepstake. I get tickets eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. One of the winning numbers, sixteen win $6,000. I'm like, fuck! You wouldn't read about it! 
<laughs> last night, I have a bit on the rugby league. I'm, like, I'm going to put a same game multi on these three guys that I think will get a try. First one gets one. I'm like, boom, that was the easy one. Next one gets it. He was the hard one. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm a chance here. I've got 25 minutes. I've got 25 minutes of my third guy needs to get this try. And this dude always scores against the Warriors. Bang. Scores a try. Psh, try time. I'm like, fucking beauty. But I knew. I'm like, I bet, I bet, he, I bet he's out. It's like, this just keeps happening to me at the moment. I just, how is this happening? They go upstairs. A, a finger. Just brush the line. Yeah. Sorry, no try. It's over. And I was like, how have I had these three events in the last three weeks? Like, this is just sickening. I'm more concerned of your gambling habits, mate. <laughs> so at, at this stage, so am I. Yeah. So, you know, then you start to go on this like, fuck, you know, maybe this isn't for me. This is just stupid. But um, then like, how am I this unlucky? Oh, this stuff comes in threes and all this shit. And then I'm trying to remind myself, yeah, but I might have, I'm going to Kentucky in um, two weeks time. I read an article because it's front of mind. Like, otherwise my brain would never have put this up. It dude goes into a bank, kills people. I'm like, holy shit, I'm going there. You know, it, it could have been in like two weeks and I could be in that bank. <laughs> but your brain is like giving you this shit. Yeah. When the likelihood is probably not even there. I They're saw, just completely unrelated. I saw like a, I think it was an Instagram reel, maybe it was like a YouTube clip um, that was a guy talking about the reverse of this. And he was like, you know, they were they were interviewing him and he's like, best time to travel? After a crazy event. When 9-11 happened, anywhere you want. High security, safety, cheap, best. No nice. one wants to do it because it's nice. front of mind that something bad's happened. Yeah. Yeah, and he was talking about, like, take that to your, take advantage of that, right? And he talked about, like, going to, the, like, the pyramids and shit when it was dangerous. And, yeah, it was yeah. hilarious. And he was, like, basically playing on it, being like, I've got all this gangster life experience by taking opportunities when everyone else has got something else at the front of their mind that's stopping them from doing things zig when others are zagging yeah yeah, yeah. And this is why i'm big on practicing gratitude because the more i go down that rabbit hole of like, oh that's three unlucky things like what other unlucky things are going to happen for me now the more i'm just going to see these things happen and granted like they have happened it sucked but like <laughs> I, just to reconfirm <laughs> yeah i do try and bring towards myself um you know, like gratitude and stuff and one thing i'm really big on is that like even when I go across the uh, a pedestrian crossing, I'm like, I've interrupted someone's life. They're trying to get somewhere, and I'm like, no, fucking wait for me. I want to cross here safely. Mm. And so I always acknowledge them. Same. Like, yeah, try I and run. Yeah, yeah, and I try and speed up. Because yeah. I value like other... And so then when I just see random people in our building stuff, I'm trying to smile as well, because I'm trying to put it out mm. so that you can get it back. And then... But the downside is then when it's not happening to you, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with that person? Why do they look so angry? Or Why, why are you crossing so slow? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've waved you across that it's safe to cross and you're still looking like, are you sure? Oh, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I've got brakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Tesla will stop for you. <laughs> but gratitude, yeah, I think a very good one on the other side of this. Right, what's our next one? couple to go. Zeganik effect. We can almost always remember incomplete tasks, but we easily forget completed tasks. To put simply, incomplete tasks will stick around in our memory longer than completed tasks. Originally, it was believed that the only way to prevent the Zeganik effect from gnawing away at our thoughts was to complete the incomplete tasks. However, further research into the Zeganik effect found that simply having or writing down a plan to complete the task was enough to stop the effect. So if you find yourself awake at night with these incomplete tasks stressing you out, grab a pen and pad and write down a quick plan to get the job done. Getting the task out of your head and onto paper combats this effect and will give you more peace of mind. Mm. 
man, that could be one of the most important things that people learn. Mm. I, I often say, if you're worried about something, write it down. Like, it's literally your brain is like, oh, thank you yeah. so much. My version of this was like, I was getting not like almost panicky trying to manage all my work when I started growing and having and moving into a Google Calendar, man. Yeah. And just being like, like I'd be driving along and I'd be like, fuck, I'll be thinking about saying, I need to call the bank for this. And then I'll just put it in my Google Calendar like a reminder. So it emails mm. me with basically my to-do thing. Yeah. And then it's gone. Then it's not. Then I know for a fact that it won't get deleted from my email inbox until I've done it, which means there's no more pressure on me anymore. Mate, I do the same thing. Yeah. The yeah, other thing that I've done <coughs> at night time, because my brain starts going, I'm like trying to tell it to slow down. Mm. And I, oh, far out, I need to do that for that client. Or like, oh, I need to check up on that. Did that end up happening? And what I've gotten good at is knowing that I don't need to write that down. I'm like, thank you, brain, for finding that again for me. I know that tomorrow I'll come across you and I'll finish you. Mm. And literally the next day I'll wake up. Usually the first thing I do is get up and do a bit of mahi. I love doing that before I go to the gym. And I'm like, oh, I need to do that with those three things. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, like my brain's held that for me. Mm. Or something, because it's in the front of my brain, something else happens. I'm like, oh, that's right. I need to do that too. I thought about that last night. Yeah, yeah. And so I've kind of eased the burden of it. But I would love nothing more, bro, than to have a fucking pad and pen next to my bed. But I, I <laughs> genuinely... <laughs> You're just right all night. I don't think that would be very smart for me. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I'm yeah. at 3 a.m. now. Right? Very, I'm very rarely I am like just about asleep and then think of something and have to write it down. Most of the time I'm all right. But just generally going throughout my day, putting reminders in place or... um making sure you like book out your meetings correctly and everything so you don't forget one like and I can't imagine what I would have done to book meetings without Google Calendar to be honest imagine yeah. trying to remember like the week before I went to Melbourne I did 21 client meetings wow imagine trying to remember what time who they are where you're meeting them yeah and everything without that I know you'd like pen and paper but fuck it would have been a mess eh? yeah I remember very early on in business someone was like oh your calendar rules your life Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to live by a calendar. That sounds yeah. fucking stupid. That's the whole reason I'm getting my like own time, quitting my job. Yeah. <laughs> nah, and man. Now, like, it yeah. so managed. Tears would be like, oh, this brunch, can we go to this or like this event? I'm like, yeah, is it in our calendar? Can you check it on the calendar? So I'm like, it's, like, there's so much data going on in my head. Like, yeah. and it needs to be somewhere. And it, it is freeing. It sounds counterintuitive. But I do think as well for people that are, are worried about something, this literally tells you that you can write it down and your brain is going to be on the path. And this is why it's really important to write your goals and shit down too, because your brain's like, okay, well, let's try and figure out yeah. how to make it happen. Yeah. And then in school, we got taught this, like brainstorming. Let's try mm. and brainstorm a solution. Yeah, yeah. We get a bit older and we're like, oh, no, I shouldn't have to do that. But this literally teaches us that it works. Right, last one. The paradox of choice. At a supermarket, two experiments were conducted. In the first experiment, 24 different types of jam were available to freely test and buy for a discounted price. In the second experiment, only six different types of jam were available to freely test and buy for a discounted price. The first experiment attracted 60% of shoppers and 3% bought jam. The second experiment attracted 40% of shoppers and 30% bought jam. Even though more shoppers were initially attracted to more variety, with less choices, the supermarket was able to sell 10x the amount of jam. This is the paradox of choice. For most people, a large selection of any given product is seen as a net positive. But once the number of choices increases past the threshold, our subjective state becomes negative and leads to inner paralysis and decision fatigue. The paradox of choice can also be found in modern day dating. In the past, you would marry people you met locally. Nowadays, we have too many choices. And you may think that all that variety would make it easier to find the perfect partner, but more optimal decisions can be made when given a smaller amount of options to choose from. When faced with a small number of options, people can easily weigh the pros and cons of each and be fairly satisfied with whichever option they chose. When faced with a large number of options, knowing which option is best becomes more difficult, and the more options there are, the more chances there are of feeling regret. 
With more options, the more you feel the need to compare, the attractive features of the alternatives diminish the satisfaction in your final choice. Even if we made an excellent decision, the opportunity costs of the other options subtract from the overall satisfaction of our choice. Too many choices often leads to people not making any choice and giving up on the endeavor altogether. It's a ripperay. Yeah, that's I see this so all interesting. The time. I just came from a brunch, mate, yeah. where there was a group of people and there was a menu, but because we were having brunch at 11.15, that now triggered two menus. You could have the lunch menu oh, yeah. or the brekkie slash brunch menu. Yeah. And they said, are you guys ready to order? And of course, everyone's like, oh, no. Yeah. Give us five minutes. <laughs> In Come between back. deciding what you want to eat. Fuck. Yeah. And then someone's like, oh, are you just going to pick something for everyone? And they're like, nah, because we're all picking our own individual meals. And they're like, oh, I thought maybe we'd be sharing because <laughs> we're using the dinner menu. And people are like, oh, but I want to have the bricky one. And so the person came back and they're like, oh, again, we're stuck again. We need more time. <laughs> and I'm like, I need, I need to now message Mikey and be like, hey, bro, I'm going to be late. <laughs> yeah. And li- this, is literally, this is literally why we were late. <laughs> because it just then pushes the time Too on. many choices, eh? I see this all the time in business where we, we learned quite early on, stop. Accountants will try and give all the different things they can do, but mm. then just people were like, oh, okay, well, that sounds really it's hard. It's kind of like what we talked about where you niche down a bit, right? Yeah, and less is more. Yeah, less is more. You get really, really, really good at one thing, and you will get paid for it because you're the best at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, eh, hey, that that's a... Mm. Yeah, to be honest, like, half the time when you've got heaps of choice, the whole, like, 99% of it's fucking pointless anyway. Yep. Like, if I go to a supermarket, I'm normally going into a supermarket for, like, one or two things. But you come out with <laughs> well, cat biscuits, a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I get another cat. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, man, like, yeah, the choice is, like, the... I think it's a good it. reminder for all of us if we're trying to convince someone of something. You know, we, Taz and I would say this all the time. We go to have dinner. It's like, where should we go? Well, mm. then you, you, okay, what do you want? What do you feel like? And bang, way too many options. Five minutes later, it's like, for fuck's sake, can we just, we're no closer to having calories to refuel ourselves. Yeah, you're better off saying... I'm pretty keen to go out for a steak tonight. Mm, these are the three any, places I've picked. Any, any, yeah, exactly. Or, or literally, we're going to go to this place and you can choose next time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Problem solved. Conversation Op- done. Yeah, options just kill people. No, I think people working in retail and stuff, they know this too. They're not going to bring yeah. you like, oh, here's 26 things, you know. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, interesting, eh? Rightio, mate. That has been an insightful look into some of these mind traps. That's only 10 and there are 21. So we'll... Pull that there, yeah, because that is uh, fifty-three minutes. They're very, they are very cool, and they're like very practical. Co- very, yeah, very practical, and because you can easily see yourself this happening to you in your life. Yeah, I reckon that's quite cool, and it might be a good reminder that okay, you're much like everybody else if you're thinking like this, or you can see that it's just literally the way that your brain is looking at something. Mm. And once you understand these things a bit better, you can figure out how you can use them in your own life. Yeah, for sure. I think um, a few of them, it's really important to recognise that they exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so definitely go back and find the ones that you like and just take note of them, eh? And there is no paradox of choice here because you only have one option, and that is to leave a five-star review. <laughs> That's right, you beauty! <laughs> on the Keep the Change podcast <laughs> as you continue to learn more about the world, about finances, about money, and your own mind. And mind you, we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>